listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Hello and welcome to another episode of Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I am your host, LaShar Binkley. I'm the director of basketball operations for Overtime Heroics. I am a contributor for Space City Scoop. And of course, I am a podcast host for the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Corey Teleba from Hardwood Magazine and the Draft Deck Podcast. And um, before we get started, I wanted to also uh, let Corey know that I actually kind of first start finding some of your videos on YouTube. You have some like the best uh, scouting videos on YouTube. Um, that's I actually go back to when I'm doing my uh, articles and doing other podcasts. And I, I, I definitely appreciate the, the videos you put out because I'm definitely no draft expert. <laughs> so I like to find <laughs> other people that are experts. So first off, thank you for joining us. Um, Corey, could you give also a little bit more background about yourself? Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah. The YouTube, uh, a lot of people know me from the YouTube and, and the film sesh that I do on the draft prospects. Uh, I, uh, I've been coaching high school basketball um, on Long Island, New York for you know almost 10 years. Um, before that, I was working my background. Uh, I was doing like a creative, I was like a creative director for uh, a rock band. Oh, okay. So I, went, I was on the road with them for you know about seven years. Uh, prior to that and I think that's kind of where if if you you know look at my work you see you know kind of like uh, a specific style that I I developed aesthetically Um, and it it was you know kind of came from working in in music for a while and you know kind of my love of the the 1990s and the era that I grew up in and uh, that's kind of developed my aesthetic and I you know combine that I think with um, you know my love for scouting and and breaking down nba prospects the nba draft has always been one of my favorite days um so you know when i was creating content it kind of just fell into place that that was where my focus would be because it was you know kind of where my heart would be i would always spend so much time you know watching other people's youtube videos that uh i was like you know what let me try to do this myself because i think i could bring something fresh and um you know, I'm a child of New York radio. So I, you know, I try to be entertaining and um, break things down in a way that if you're not necessarily like an X's and O expert, you'll still understand um, what I'm trying to say. You know, I don't want to ever sound uh, kind of pretentious in, in the videos and use terminology that's going to confuse people. Yeah. So I try to, you know, make it um, easily digestible in a nuanced way. And, uh, you know, I think all the all the creative things that I've done have kind of helped mold, um, you know, the, the style in which I do that. Yeah, like like for instance, what you're talking about, like with your magazine, um, it's definitely I, I love the 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 covers. The um the the it's not just a basic magazine. I like the way that it's almost like a comic book feel to the to the cover of it and some of the um different issues that you put out. So I mean, I definitely caught my attention, and it's it's definitely unique. So. Um, you know, I definitely appreciate it because it's helping me, you know, actually <laughs> research this because, I mean, a little bit of quick background. I mean, as you know, with Harden being here for you know eight years, we here in Houston have pretty much never worried about the draft. I mean, we had yeah. Daryl Morey <laughs> here, so it was pretty much, you know, who cares about the draft? Let's get rid of our first round 
draft picks so we can bring in uh, Corey Brewer or uh, Damari Carroll and nobody cares about the draft. But for the first time in a while, we actually care about the draft here in Houston. That's why I want to have you on here today. Um, so first, I want to start off with I, I actually I, I looked at your your mock draft that you had on uh, YouTube, but I want to kind of uh, get some more insight on that. Um, with the number one pick, that, of course, that's the one the Rockets are hoping they land. Um, yeah. Is, is Cade Cunningham your unanimous number one pick? Yeah, absolutely. And he should be the unanimous number one, I think, across the board. I think, you know, this is a situation where a lot of people, a lot of times, try to get cute in their in their scouting and want to go against the grain. But sometimes, like, the talent slaps you in the face, and Cade is that guy. And if the Rockets um, – could get that guy like that's a no-brainer uh he's a he's a special prospect who was tailor-made like almost it looks like he's tailor-made in a lab to to play in the modern nba so uh i mean when you're talking about a guy who's six foot eight 220 who is going to run your entire offense and could defend on the other end and shoot the ball and play make i mean you know he's 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 a guy that let's not overthink this kate cunningham is that dude yeah and and from just watching some of his videos, of course, watching some of his game at Oklahoma State, um, do you see any weaknesses that he's just going to have to just uh, work on as soon as he gets in the NBA? Or is he kind of his overall game is almost to the point where, I mean, of course, he's going to have to pick up on the speed of the NBA. He's going to pick up on some of the terminology and uh, different coverages that he's going to have to face. But do you see any glaring weaknesses in any part of his game? Yeah, look, no pro, no prospect is perfect, right? Yeah. You know, even LeBron James came into the league and had stuff he had to kind of work out to get to be the player that he currently is. And we're talking about one of the all-time greatest players who's ever yes. played. So Cade certainly has weaknesses. I mean, I think, you know, when you're talking about a guy who's your primary ball handler, there are times when he can get a little loose with his handle. Um, now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit and be like, he has a sloppy handle, a bad handle, anything like that. I, I wouldn't um, say it's like poor, but if you're talking about what is he going to improve on, you know, I think he could tighten that up a little bit. You know, I, I think that's pretty much my primary concern. I mean, you know, his big concern coming into the college season was could this kid make shots off the dribble? That was kind of the question mark with him. Like, is he just a big playmaker who can't shoot? or or what and he came in and I mean he was one of the best isolation scorers in the nation and he was doing it off the dribble hitting tough tough shots with defenders right in his face so and, and NBA shots you know to me like I, I say and, and I when I say these names I don't want it to be like he's he's going to be as good as these guys but like he's kind of the love child stylistically of Luca and Jason Tatum like, you know, he's got elements of both of those guys in his game. Um, so as far as weakness, yeah, I would say he's got to, you know, continue to tighten up the handle. But, you know, I, I think every guy we're, we're talking about is going to have flaws in his game. And um, I think Cade is is certainly one of the better prospects that we've seen come through the draft in, in you know, a long time. And, and that kind of leads me to my, my next question, talking about some of the other players in the draft. Because, of course, the Rockets still have the, the same chance that they have at the number one pick. They have a chance at the number two, number three, and number four pick. Um, so after Kay Cunningham, what's your two through four? Is Does it depend on the team? Or is it just you're going with these are the top, the most talented players and this is the order I would draft them in? 
I think I would just these are the most talented players, and this is probably the order I would draft them in. And and to me, my number two guy, and this is where I think I differ from probably the majority, and I don't think the gap is like super wide. So, um, you know, this isn't necessarily me disparaging Evan Mobley, but I have Jalen Green above oh, okay. Evan Mobley. Um, and Evan Mobley is a terrific prospect who, you know, we'll talk about in a little bit. But Jalen Green to me, there's just something about him that screams star. Like he's just, he's got, he pops off the screen in, in at every level he has. And athletically, he'll be as, as athletic as anybody that ever comes through the draft. This kid, his bounce is absurd. His first step, crazy. His fluidity, you know, he's got kind of like that Zach Levine level athleticism. Yes. And, and that is not something that you see every day coming out of that position. Um, it's, it's, you know, and that's a high bar where he's going to be one of the top tier athletes in the NBA on day one. Um, and then you combine that with his shot making. He has NBA level shot making ability already. And we saw that when he was playing against NBA players in the G league bubble for the ignite team for the, the G league program that they yeah. had this year. I mean, he outside of his first game where he was, you know, a little shaky. I mean, he looked like every bit of the real deal possible. He he's scoring with these ridiculously advanced moves that you see in, you know, years of development that he are he's going to come in with already step backs and sidesteps and nuances of like even you know i think a lot of people are going to think maybe like jalen green he look he looks like a shooting guard that maybe has some like chucker tendencies but his game's actually kind of nuanced he plays at a good pace he'll come off the screen and put you in in jail on the pick and then you know kind of draw the big out in a drop coverage and and you know make the right read so i i think that and then defensively he really impressed me the g league they played uh, a no middle defense and he was very disciplined in pushing guys to the sideline and the baseline. Um, I think his instincts on that end, being able to almost mirror the movements defensively of uh, who he's guarding was really impressive. And he needs to get a little bit better off ball um, consistently, but that's a thing that a lot of young guys have to deal with. Uh, and like I said, each of these kids has their own weakness, but, just as a scorer, like he's as sure bet to be a 20 point per game scorer in this league as you'll ever find. And um, yeah, he just screams like star, like he could be the face of your franchise in a way that I don't know if Mobley is guaranteed to be. Yeah. And, and before we move on to the, the, the other two picks, do you, cause I've seen some people actually say that they think Jalen Green actually possibly has more um, potential than even a K Cunningham. Do you also see it that way? It wouldn't shock me if Jalen Green was the best player in this draft. Yeah. Um, I mean, would it surprise me? Yeah, I think Cade is is pretty safe, but it wouldn't shock me. It surprised me. It wouldn't shock me if that makes sense. No, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, I definitely understand because I mean, like you said, it's it's never a guarantee with any of those picks because you never know how they're going to play out in the NBA. But yeah, yeah, I mean, the more you look at Jalen Green, the more you can definitely see the potential. And um, I mean, do you? And also, it kind of brings up another question I have well, real quick. Do you see that 
more and more players are going to take that step to the G League instead of going to college? Do you see that as something that's going to continue into the future or just kind of just, and we just kind of have these players right now that are doing that and it's not really something that's going to take off in the future? Oh, yeah, I think it's the future for sure. Um, He is, I mean, the way that these guys played this year and the success that they had, you already saw like, you know, a five-star crew, Jaden Hardy already committed to the G League team. Uh, You look further we already got guys in different classes um, committing to play for the overtime high school league. So it's actually happening earlier and earlier. And I think that what, what we're starting to do here in America is almost in a way, try to mimic what they've been doing in, in overseas where, you know, these kids are playing in like uh, professional structures for years. Um, and by the time they get to the NBA, they've already had all of this professional experience. And, uh, you know, I think especially now we see all the ways that the NCAA has, you know, kind of been corrupted. And uh, now I think a lot of the old guard NCAA coaches are starting to retire. Yes. You know, they, the transfer transfer portal has been opened. Uh, One and done is pretty much the way of, of life for all of these top prospects. And, you know, I think that we're just headed into a different era of developmental basketball and uh, that old way of these guys who are going to stay for multiple years. Uh, I, I don't see it for for the, uh, the the high level guys. You'll still have college basketball for, you know, more of the Corey Kispert type yeah. senior guys. But um, these these kids with the superstar potential you know, they don't need the branding of the NCAA anymore. These kids are coming into their, their seasons with a million followers on Instagram, <laughs> you know, like uh, they don't like for anybody who's like, Oh, well, what about how much is Duke going to help them with their branding and playing on TV all the time? Like Jalen green didn't play for Duke and he, uh, you know, got an Adidas contract pretty early, you know, like yeah. it, it's these kids, they don't need it anymore. Um, they'll play on ESPN plenty when they get to the league. So I, I think that the, the future is, is different. Um, than this old guard for for these prospects for sure and 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 i want to also get your opinion like so who would be your and you were speaking of evan mobley earlier would he be your number three pick or would you go with the probably the more seasoned player in jalen suggs yeah i would go with mobley for for the number three pick um evan mobley is incredibly talented now the thing you'll hear is is the term unicorn right we love to to throw the term unicorn around for these kind of big prospects now the thing is unicorns are supposed to be really rare yeah so we're throwing that term around way too often (laughs) i don't think that evan mobley is a unicorn prospect you know you'll hear anthony davis comps and to me that just i'm just like i'm watching a different guy because anthony davis when that dude was in college he looked like he didn't get to show off all of the stuff that he had in his bag but he just moved like a shooting guard like at his height you know, yeah. he he was like a seven foot shooting guard that played big man. Like Evan Mobley is like a seven foot big man who moves really well for a big man. And there's a little bit difference there for me. But I mean, his game is like is perfectly suited for the, the modern NBA in, in the fact that he can switch defensively. He could protect the rim defensively. He's a great passer. So you look at some of these guys. I mean, he's not Jokic. Nobody is. But. You look at Bam and um, maybe like Embiid and these guys that you can run like DHOs with for for shooters and um, you know he's a rim runner like he'll he'll roll to the rim off screens he's got like 
all of this nuance. And then you could give him the ball. He'll, he'll be able to pop and hit a three eventually pretty consistently. Um, he'll, if you give him the ball in like the mid post, he's got kind of that, like Chris Bosch, like he could take you off the bounce. He's got these long, long strides and, uh, he'll draw free throws. I mean, he's got touch with either hand. He, he's a really, really great prospect, but he also had a game where he didn't attempt one field goal attempt, you know? So like (laughs) to, to have that ability to be like, I'm taking over, this is my team. This is my game where a lot of people have them as this prospect on the same level as an Anthony Davis, you know, that, that is kind of worrying to me that he could have the mentality where he just won't attempt a a shot, a field goal. You know, he he got to the line a few times in that game, but no field goal attempts. And, and that to me is one of the reasons why, you know, I have green over him. Just a scout told me they were like, Evan might be too nice, you know? And, and, uh, that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a terrific player because he has all the measurements and all of the skills. And, you know, even in a game where he has zero points, you'll still feel his presence defensively. You know, it's not like he's going to disappear. He'll, he'll have moments in that game because of what he could do. But I think that this draft is just so loaded at the top that, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that I have behind the first two guys. And I just think, as far as like why I have him above Suggs with that said, cause Suggs is a dog. He is like, you know, you'll hear a million times. He was a quarterback before the draft and you see it like on the floor, like his leadership ability, the way that he is running the team, the confidence, just the air about him. Like he, he has that like star presence without necessarily having like that same star level talent. Um, but he's also a guy that, you know, is going to like contribute to winning, you know, at every level um, as he has. And uh, I think Mobley's just talent is a little bit more apparent than Suggs is. And at the NBA, you know, sometimes, like I said, I I try to say this, like sometimes you can't overthink like physical tools. You know, he doesn't have the same physical tools that, that some of the guys ahead of him does. And um, it matters a little bit more when you jump up to the best league in the world, but Suggs is going to be a terrific player as well. You know, he, I mean, he, yeah, he lost in, in the, the championship game, but hit one of the clutches shots in NCAA history um, in the final four. He, he brings everything. He's a, a terrific passer hit in transition. He has some of the most fun, like hit ahead passes, like those Lonzo ball esque deep, you know, from the backcourt to the front court, like laser beams, like literally a quarterback hitting his receiver. So he'll push the pace. He'll get you out. He'll he'll do everything. He won't have as gaudy a numbers as some of these other guys, but he's uh he's a, a legit legit prospect who would be you know a top three guy in most drafts. Yeah, and I mean, even though it doesn't really affect the Rockets, unfortunately, because they follow that top four pick, the pick conveys to Oklahoma City. But yeah. um, to round out your top five, do you do you see is it Jonathan Kaminga for you at number five? It's actually not. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I, I have Kaminga six. I, I like Kaminga a lot. He actually played his sophomore year uh, like down the road from me, like literally. Um, I, I like Kaminga a lot, and he actually like as although he didn't play as well as Jalen Green did in the G League bubble, he definitely showed a lot of really impressive skills um, for a guy his size. But I actually have Davion Mitchell as my number five guy, which a lot of people okay. might think is a little high. Um, I mean, he's in, in a lot of the big mocks. He's you know around like. 
six or seven. So it's not like a, a complete leap. Um, but when you look at a guy who's he's probably like six one and he's going to be almost 23 on draft day, a lot of people are probably going to be like, why is Davion Mitchell, you know, the, this older prospect, how is he cracking your top five over a guy like Kaminga? And to me, he's one of the best, if not the best defender um, at the guard spot that I've ever evaluated. And the, he has elite NBA speed first step. So a lot of these older prospects don't necessarily have elite physical tools. He does. I think circumstance given the last couple of years and everything happening in the world. And he had, he transferred, um, he never was really given a role to have the ball in his hands as much as he did this year. Um, and then his shot, you know, his, his shot, he, he really improved his shot. And a lot of people are skeptical that his shooting is real, but to me, it's like the percentages are what they are. But like when you watch the film, like his shot looks good. So like, why, why is his shot making going to stop? Like it, his, he has got, he's got good form. He can get his shot off given his handle, the separation he creates with his speed. Um, and again, back to that defense, like, you know, he's a, he's kind of like Marcus smart with a little bit more offensive potential. And Marcus smart was a top five guy. So uh, I love Davion Mitchell and he's my, he's my number five guy, not going to be the most popular opinion in the world. You're going to yeah. see a lot of boards that probably are scared by, like I said, the, the age and, and the concerns with the shooting and probably have him more at the back end of the lottery. But I think that NBA teams value him as a player more than, you know, the internet does. And uh, I kind of tend to agree with the, the NBA teams with, with Davion. And, and before we wrap up this first second, I, I want to ask you that brings up another point. Do you still think teams value the, the fact that a player stays for three or four years, um, even though they may not be the, the top, top prospect or you know, may not have the top potential? Do you think they still value a player like uh, Davion Mitchell, who's, you know, played three years uh, in college? Um, you think that's still a, a big factor when they're doing their scouting? I think it's all context. I mean, yeah. Some players, they're going to value less. And, you know, like a guy last year, um, Sam Merrill, uh, who got drafted by the Bucks, um, he's a guy who put up big numbers in college and was an older player. And he got drafted later in the draft. But, uh, you know, you look at his tools and you're like, all right, he looks kind of like a he's doing a Luka Doncic impression, impression at Utah State. But, like, he can't do that in the NBA. So like contextually, I think like he was a safe bet to get drafted because of the production and the skills he had, but like his potential was only what it was given his physical tools. Like a guy like Davion Mitchell, on the other hand, who's played, you know, a lot of college ball, he showed new skills every year. His defense is legit. Like I said, to me, he's like one of the best defenders I've ever evaluated and his offensive skill set and his athleticism and his athleticism pops off the screen and he's going to have NBA level of like plus athleticism at the next level. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of these older guys who who thrive in college, it's just like they're bigger, stronger, you know, than, than the next guy in college. And then they're on a level playing fields when they get to the NBA athletically, I still think Davion's going to be a plus athlete at the next level. Um, so that's kind of why I think his situation is a little different than some of these other guys. Um, but I, I think that NBA teams value, you know, a player's potential and older guys can still have potential. Damian Lillard is, 
you know, he, he went yeah. nuclear in the playoffs, right? He was an older point guard. Um, and so it's all about, it's all about context. You know, it's, it's, if players are special, sometimes they're special, even if they're 22, because 22 is not old, <laughs> despite what we want, you know, like <laughs> you still have a lot to learn when you're 22 years old. Uh, you know, so I, I think sometimes people like to fall in love with 18, 19 year old kids, but that that's no guarantee that they're going to develop more than somebody who's got a few years on them. Yeah. And, and it's funny, I, I, you know, before we leave here, it's funny you bring that up because that's been a huge thing on Rockets Twitter. Uh, the last few months, um, Christian Wood, you know, who plays it down in Houston yep. is 25 years old. And it's been a lot of people that are basically saying we should trade him away because he doesn't fit the Rockets youth timeline. <laughs> and I'm just thinking <laughs> to myself like, wow, 25 years old is too old now for the, yeah. the Rockets, which is just kind of crazy um, considering <laughs> that, you know, he hasn't even hit his prime yet, but it, no. it's just, it's just funny as you bring that up. Cause that's been like a huge thing down here in Houston. Um, uh, as we, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this first segment and second segment, we're going to talk about uh, amazing, I know the Rockets actually have more draft picks later on in the draft. They have the 23rd and 24th pick um, towards the end of the first round. And I want to get Corey's opinion on who could possibly be around there or what type of player may be around at that 23 or 24 if the Rockets decide to keep both picks. So uh, please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And welcome back to the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. I'm here with Corey Tulliba from Hardwood Magazine and the Draft Deck Podcast. And in the second segment, we're gonna, I'm gonna get his opinion on some of the later first round picks that the Rockets could possibly be looking at because after a coin toss, uh, the NBA did a couple of weeks ago, it was determined the Rockets would get the 23rd and 24th pick. Um, they possibly can have the 18th pick as well, but a lot of Rockets fans don't really wanna think about that because that means that they didn't get one of the top four picks. So we're just gonna skip that one for now. Um, Corey, I wanna get your opinion. So. What's um, some of the players are, are, that you may, are looking at towards the end of the draft that may still be around uh, the 23rd or 24th pick? Yeah, so, so we'll focus on, on those picks, right? We don't want to talk about the 18th scenario. <laughs> yeah, we don't want any um, nightmares, yeah. Honestly, even, it would be the same kind of guys that you're discussing. When you get to this part of the draft, it, there's a lot of fluidity um, to players' draft ranges, and it's all going to come down to like team preference and, and who – guys have on their boards and whatnot um but I, I the first guy i would think about for houston uh especially given you know the situation with john wall and you know uh, who knows what his health situation is going to yeah. be going forward is he going to ask for a buyout eventually the first guy i'm looking at if i'm houston is sharif cooper uh who is one of my personal favorites um to watch in in the draft and i probably have him a little bit higher than this on my personal board, but uh, I don't know if every NBA team feels that way. But Sharif is a, there's an argument that he's the best passer in this draft. And uh, that's with Cade Cunningham in the class. So his, his passing is, is elite. He had an assist percentage that was higher than Trey young um, this year when Trey was in college, he, is a guy that is just so dynamic with the ball in his hands. And and this is, he averaged eight assists a game at the college level uh, when he really didn't have shooters on his team. Like his, he, he didn't really go to a situation that was 
really conducive to helping himself out. He, yeah. he, you know, like he could have, if he played for Gonzaga, like you switch him with Jalen Suggs, like he might've been a guy who, you know, averaged 10 assists a game, you know, like uh, granted Gonzaga played, you know, a little bit more of a team style. Um, but just as, as far as pure passers go, truly, truly elite passing. And when you start getting down to this part of the draft, you might start looking at guys who have elite skills. Uh, and he's got a couple of them because his other elite skill, he shot almost nine free throws a game and at 83%, um, at an 83% clip. So, you know, he's six one. Um, he's, he kind of looks like Trey um, as far as build goes. So you look at him and, and you say, you know, maybe doesn't project that well defensively, and he doesn't at the NBA level, but his offensive skills, scoring and passing the ball, they're they're there and uh you know he's got question marks with his shot shot 23% from 3 this year uh and and he really you know struggled as a jump shooter but again i bring up that free throw percentage cuz when you're shooting nine free throws a game over 80% you have a shot that's you can work with and you could fix and and i think that you're getting a position of need even with john wall you know that, that's a guy you could learn from as well cuz john's a great passer um and, you know, hasn't been known as a shooter. So he could, you know, pick John Wall's brain. And uh, you're getting a guy who could get into the paint regardless of, of how a team defends him and make every pass in the book and is going to put pressure on the rim and, and on big men and get to the line. And I think at, at one of those picks, Sharif Cooper um, would be a, a really good uh, guy to take a shot on that, at that spot of the draft. Yeah, and like you said, it's kind of a, a not necessarily a crapshoot, but you're, you're kind of looking for a specific skill sometimes when you're looking that far down in a draft. I mean, there's a couple other players I wanted to get your opinion about. Uh, mm-hmm. Uzma Garuba, I mean, he's out of Spain. It's, I haven't seen a lot of tape on him. Of course, you know, it's not, uh, especially with the COVID protocols, I know a lot of teams may have not had the same opportunities to go out there and scout him. Yep. What's kind of been your opinion on him? Because I've seen him uh, somewhere around – middle of the draft on some boards all the way down to where the Rockets are picking around 23, 24. Yeah. I, I like Garuba a lot. I mean, he is a legit, like modern defensive player. Like he's his versatility to, to guard multiple positions and he's young and he's playing for, you know, one of like the best teams um, in the world, not playing in the NBA and, and actually getting minutes there. So that in and of itself is impressive because a lot of times you see these um, international prospects playing for teams like this and you look at their minutes played and it's like they're playing like five minutes a game yeah. and it's all projection, right? Here's a kid who's actually contributing to, to the team at such a young age and it's all because of his versatility. And I think that his three-point shot is versatile enough uh, or or he's shown enough potential that like he's going to be able to space the floor in spot up situations. And if you slot him next to Christian Wood, who I think is versatile enough to play next to a, a bunch of different kind of players um, yes, in the front true. court, right? Like he could play uh, spacing guys out. He could play more down low as a rim runner. Like he could do a lot of stuff. And uh, I think he's a great front court partner for Garuba. So like you said, you know, you he's kind of all over the place on on boards and mock drafts. So I could see him being a guy that a team takes 
uh, a shot on in the lottery, but I could also see him kind of dropping to these early 20 um, picks that the Rockets have. Uh, but he's, he's a guy that I think that, especially when you're rebuilding, like you want to get guys that are, are good, like for your team's identity. And a lot of times that starts with defense. So he's a guy that is going to be able to immediately make an impact defensively. And, and um, I think that, you know, Garuba would be a, a, if you like, especially if you get like Sharif and Garuba, like a combination like that, like the Rockets can do very well later on in this draft. There, there are players there that, that are, you know, have potential to be, um, you know, really solid, really solid gets. But, but Garuba is, is interesting because his, his guarding out on the perimeter, as a shot blocker, got quick hands, um, you know, good steal. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's legit. And, and there's one other big man I wanted to uh, ask you about that's also been all over draft boards after his freshman year at Texas is Greg Brown. <laughs> uh, yeah. And of course, you know, UT is huge down here in Houston. We have a lot of people, uh, UT graduates <laughs> that are definitely <laughs> interested in Greg Brown. So what's kind of your opinion on him? I know he had an up and down year this past year, um, you know, you know, along with so did Texas overall. But what's kind of your opinion on uh, Greg Brown potential in the NBA? I, I want to like Greg Brown more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> is Is I think the answer. I mean. He has, I mean, he's crazy athletic, right? Like his bounce is, is crazy. Uh, he didn't, I mean, he could, he's capable of hitting three point shots. It, he, he didn't look completely terrible out there. Um, but you know, my guy, Mike Schmitz, he just posted a video watching him and, uh, and part of his workout and like, he's working with trainers and he's like initiating pick and roll in the drill and, and like trying to make these like really advanced reads. And I'm just like, Look, it's it's a, a small clip of, uh, I'm sure a very long workout, but I just wonder why he's even working on these guard skills at all. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, what is that gonna do for his game at the next level? So, like, what is the perception of hit of him and his team as like positionally? Like, do they think he's gonna be a guy that has the ball in his hands a lot? Because if he just focused on like being a guy who's finishing, um, around the hoop, being kind of a garbage man getting to the free throw line, getting out in transition and like spotting up and spacing the floor and hitting open threes and cutting, then I could get on board with that. If like role player, Greg Brown, I think could be really fun, but I don't know if he's a guy that wants to have the ball in his hands as a creator a little bit more. I'm a little bit more iffy on, on that version. Um, but you can't teach that athlete, uh, that athleticism. And the Rockets are in a position of having two picks in that range. Um, and, you know, we're, we're putting the good energy into the universe where they get to keep that first pick. So, <laughs> yes, that, you know, you, you, you get that top four pick, one of those studs, and now you potentially have two shots. At, at, you, wanna, you, you might want to take a guy with that kind of potential. So um, the potential's there, and if the Rockets took a shot, I, I wouldn't be like, super disappointed, but I think it's going to take time with him um, yeah. for him to get there. And he might be a guy that like looks better on his next team. And, and so before we wrap up the second segment, uh, I want to get your opinion. What's one player that you don't think enough people are talking about as towards the end of the draft that may be like a diamond and rough type player that teams probably should look at. Yeah. So uh, 
I really like uh, Bowens Highland, Nishan Highland, um, coolest nickname in the draft for <laughs> sure. And he's a guy that I see slotted more so in the second round a lot of times, like early second. He has in the gym shooting range. Like this kid could pull up from the logo Damian Lillard range and effortlessly stroke the ball. And he shot 37% on eight attempts a game shooting those kind of shots. Um, he gets compared to Jamal Crawford a little bit because he's also got like a fun handle. Although Jamal Crawford has, you know, maybe the top three handle of all time, you know, like all time. (laughs) So, you know, anytime you compare something like that, it's, there's always with a great assault, it's, it's definitely not as strong as Jamal's was, but he does a lot of the same, like fun, shifty double behind the backs. Like, and, and he could shoot it effortlessly on side steps and step backs. And he's got like elite level shot making potential. Um, And I think that if you put him on, on a team in the right role, uh, that is constructed the right way. Like to me, he's so much fun as a prospect. I'm, I'm high on him as an NBA shot maker. And, you know, I I think when I was evaluating, like I was really high on Kevin Porter jr. In his draft, because you watch him in college and you're like the talents there. Like he's got an NBA game. Like maybe some of it didn't translate to college and how you play in college, but when he gets to the NBA with more spacing and you know just the way that that game like the NBA's played it it was easy to see Kevin Porter succeeding and he showed so much of that talent in Houston this year yeah. and and do you think that it was just mainly just off court issues that's the reason why he dropped in the draft yeah probably i i mean i think that's why he dropped to where he did i i still think that if he didn't have like necessarily the the off court stuff I still don't think he would have been appropriately placed yeah. um, because to me, like, you know, I did a podcast appearance um, on a bulls podcast that year. And we were talking about cam reddish as a potential guy that the bulls might be looking at. And I was like, yeah, like I like cam, but like, if I was going to take a shot on a guy's potential, like I would rather take that shot on Kevin Porter. Yeah. So even with the off court stuff, I still think a guy like Cam Reddish was looked at as like a higher level prospect when to me, he was a top 10 talent that year regardless. Um, but I think he would have been like a late lottery, maybe like early, like late teen, late teens kind of guy, even without the off court stuff. Um, but that obviously, you know, wasn't helpful to, to his overall draft stock. And one more question. Do you see Kevin Porter Jr. more of a shooting guard? Because I know the Rockets tried or had him playing point guard in yeah. the G League exclusively. Um, and with John Wall here, that's that makes this situation really tricky for the Rockets. Um, exactly what's going to happen, what they should do going forward. But do you see him more as a shooting guard going forward, especially, I guess, if they get a K Cunningham? Um, do you see them, um, you know, his natural position being that shooting guard? Yeah, I, I I think so. I look his the the flashes he showed as a playmaker were really impressive. Yeah. Um, because I don't think people saw that part of his game being something that uh was featured in the NBA. So I I think that especially in the situation the Rockets were in this year, where like it was okay to get a little funky and experiment, right? Like yes. that, that was like uh you want to see what you have and evaluate guys and see and push them to their limits and see who, you know, is, is able to, you know, swim. Um, and 
I think going forward, you could be like, oh, he could be like a secondary playmate, like a high level secondary playmaker. Because now, I mean, teams want multiple guys who can make plays for for their teammates. And he doesn't have to be the primary guy. If you get a Cade Cunningham, hey, now you got two guys who can make plays. And Cade will be the guy who's a lead at it. And and Kevin Porter is going to be a guy who is able going to, you know, he'll be able to make plays when the ball swings to him and he's able to attack closeouts and you could trust him to do things in the pick and roll. And now you're having Cade spot up and you can let him play off ball a little bit. Like that's actually a really fun dynamic to think about. Um, And I think ideally you want to take the ball out of his hands a little bit so he can take like the good parts of his playmaking and not overextend himself um, when you're thinking like long-term, like can this work in, in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, definitely true. I mean, the Rockets, that's the one of the positives, one of the few positives about being so bad is that you are able to experiment <laughs> and you can go with different lineups and as the Rockets did uh, more than any team in the league this year. Um, so, you know, this draft is definitely going to be interesting from top to bottom for the Rockets. Uh, and that's going to wrap it up for the second segment. In the last segment, I want to get Corey's opinion on the actual playoffs that are going on. I know Rockets fans may not believe it, but there is playoffs actually happening <laughs> right now. So I want to get Corey's opinion on that. Uh, so please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston, all original. And continue here on the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. We are on the last segment, Rockets fans, of the Launchpad Podcast. I'm here with Corey Tulliba from the Hardwood Magazine and Draft That Podcast. And we're going to actually talk more about the, or actually about the NBA playoffs that's going on right now. Um, Before we go too far into uh, the second round of the playoffs, I want to kind of get your opinion on the first round that, you know, we just concluded and specifically the Lakers. Um, Were you surprised at all? I mean, once Anthony Davis, you know, got hurt and wasn't able to play, were you really surprised that the Lakers pretty much didn't have a chance? Because we we know this is not the LeBron uh, from the Cleveland days. Really, it's not even the LeBron from last year. I mean, as great as LeBron is, everybody gets old. Everybody's body starts to break down. So were you really surprised that Phoenix was pretty much able to just take control of this series once AD went down? No, not at all. I mean, like you said, AD is a monstrous part of their rotation, and and LeBron is in year one hundred of yes. his career, and <laughs> and he's coming off the injury, like his ankle, like he had an ankle sprain not that long ago. And if anybody has had an ankle sprain, you know, like ankle sprains linger for a while. And yes. granted, uh, we might not have the same access to treatments that LeBron has, but uh, it, they're not fun to deal with. So you're looking at an older hobbled LeBron James um, without his superstar teammate. And when you're built around superstars, you usually place role players who fit roles next to those superstars. And it's hard for role players to extend themselves beyond their role because they're used to playing off of these guys. And now they no longer have to play off of them. They have to be guys that other guys play off of. Um, so I, it wasn't shocking to me at all. And then the other part of it is like, I think it was just a bad draw. Like Phoenix is good. 
Yeah. <laughs> like they're really, really good. And they're loaded everywhere. Like they they're they're deep. Um and they've got guys who maybe haven't necessarily won at the highest level before, but they've been there. Like Crowder's been in a bunch of big games. Chris Paul has been in a bunch of big games. Even a guy like Mikhail Bridges, who's young and hasn't necessarily had uh, NBA success because he's still young in his career, but he won two national titles at Villanova. So, you know, uh, there are guys that know how to play in high stakes games. So, uh, and, and Chris Paul, you know, the, the guy is, and he's hobbled too. So, you know, that, that maybe not too fair to, to blame injuries on the lack of Lakers success. Cause I think it would have been a good series regardless, but uh, Chris Paul is a guy who's like, he's hungry, you know, like he's, he's never won that championship. It's dangling. He sees the opportunity and uh, he went out and, and, and that team grabbed it. So it, it wasn't shocking at all. Yeah. And of course here down in Houston, we know Chris Paul very well. Yeah. Um, and some of his injury history, uh, before we get to, I, I want to get your predictions, not necessarily your prediction, but just kind of your overall feel of the second round. But before we get too far into that, we did have another game yesterday. We had the Bucks uh, versus the Nets and Harden going down after the first, uh, basically the first play of the game with a hamstring injury. Um, were you still surprised that even after Harden went down that the Bucks didn't take control of that game or was it the fact that I mean you still have Kyrie Irving you still have Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin play like he was backing uh with the Clippers <laughs> um were you surprised at all that the Bucks uh basically weren't in that game at all from the second half on yeah a little bit I mean sometimes I think we like to look at the the first game in a series and kind of like projected out when you know the bucks can easily bounce back in that in in game two and you know it was just like an aberration but i think that the first game if i was a bucks fan the one thing it did that would scare me is like i think the question has never been necessarily like is Giannis going to produce in the playoffs like we know Giannis is going to get his numbers regardless he's he's very talented and drew holiday is you know uh, a much stronger option than Eric Bledsoe. But the question is like, is Middleton a legit number two guy? Yes. Is he a guy that you can count on in the way that like, all right, the Nets lost James Harden, but Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are both going to be able to show up in the playoffs without question. So they still got two guys that they can go to and feel confident in the looks that they're going to get. I don't know if the Bucks have that. Like Giannis is is not a guy that you can necessarily even count on to like go get a bucket late in the game as easily as you could Durant or Kyrie. And now Middleton is the one who has to step up and he shot six for 23 and was 0 for five from, from the three point line. So if Middleton's not going to show up, then I think it adds, you know, it kind of answers the question of like, is this Bucks team a, a real title contender? Cause obviously he doesn't show up. They're not. And, and that's, if anything, I think it'll at least answer the question for the Bucks, and they can move on in a different direction next year and try to, you know, reshuffle that that roster. But I don't think, especially if Harden is going to be out for the series or potentially the playoffs, you know, hamstring injuries are tricky. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't like count the Nets uh, in right away. Like I would, I would be patient. I think the Bucks have things that they they can go to. I thought that they should have went to Brook Lopez more. I thought that he was able to kind of have his way when they got it down low to him. So there are things that the bucks can do. And if, if Harden's out, you know, it's going to be tricky, but that Nets team's deep. Like you said, Blake Griffin, I mean, Joe Harris, they got other guys. 
it's a little, I feel a little bit more confident leaning on Blake or, or Joe Harris than I do Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, true. If you, if you think about it, I think a lot of times also teams um, game plan for certain players. And then when that player is out, that kind yeah. of just throws everything off. And that's kind of what happened with Harden going out at, you know, after the, the first play of the game. Um, so what's another series in the second round that you're looking forward to? Cause of course we got the, we have the Hawks and the 76ers. We have the, the Utah jazz. They, they moved on to the second round. So what's some uh, other series that you're possibly looking forward to? Man, I'm actually, I'm excited about all of them. I mean, I, yeah. the Denver Phoenix series, I'm really interested because Jokic is just an absolute joy to watch. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see if, if he's going to be able to, push Phoenix, you know, without Jamal Murray, but, uh, that Phoenix Atlanta, uh, the Philly Atlanta series is, it's going to be interesting. Cause if Embiid can't go, that's actually going to be a, a really good series. Yeah. I think it, like, it, look, if Embiid, if Embiid plays, um, then I think it's going to be over pretty quick, but uh, you know, a torn meniscus is not a day to day injury. <laughs> like they're yes. listing it, you know, like it's you're, crazy. Like he could, I'm sure he could play through it, but it's not going to be easy. Um, and he's not going to be a hundred percent effective. So I, I think that, you know, Atlanta is really dynamic and they got guys everywhere coming off the bench. It's like, Oh, they didn't lose anything. Cause now they got this guy coming off their bench and yeah. um, they got legit scorers, legit shooters. They got a little bit of swag with them right now. They're feeling themselves cause they just went in and, and, and washed New York um, so that one's going to be interesting, but I mean, I think Utah is capable of beating either LA or Dallas, depending on who moves on. And I think either, you know, that series is going to be really fun to, uh, to watch. So, I mean, every series is going to be, is going to be fun. This is a really, I think what I like about this playoff so much is we're not getting the usual suspects, True. you know, we're, we're getting a, a new crop of, of fresh talent coming in and showing out and uh it's been really entertaining to watch i think it's good for the league even if you know uh, the, the ratings won't be what they are if, if the lakers made it and, and speaking of that clippers Mavericks series um i mean i, I know it's kind of a it's a toss-up because we don't really know what we're going to get from the clippers no no home team has actually <laughs> won a game yet and you know we still have uh, Paul George, who's up and down, up and down. Kawhi Leonard finally played like the Kawhi Leonard we saw um, a couple years ago. And, of course, on the other side, you have Luka, and then basically that's it. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been great, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I don't think they were expecting Tim Hardaway Jr. to be their second-best player. Um, so <laughs> what's what's kind of your opinion, or, or who do you see coming out in that game, Seven? Man, uh, I feel like the Clippers are going to close it. I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't because they've, you know, disappointed for going on two years now. Yes. But I feel like eventually uh, the home team is going to win. Um, you would I think, think so, yes. Right? Like, <laughs> uh, so I, I think that I would pick the Clippers to win. I don't know. Like, they're favored by six and a half points, I think. Like, I don't know if I'm that confident in saying that uh, the Clippers would are going to yeah. win because Luka is – a special, special player. And I would never like count him out of anything. Like he could completely just dominate the game himself. He's been doing it since he was a teenager. Um, so, uh, I would lean the Clippers cause I think Kawhi has been 
in the in in his zone. Um, last you know last game he really was just like he went full Kawhi Leonard. Uh, so I, w- I would lean Clippers, but I I just because I think they have <laughs> more around them than like you said, like Tim Hardaway Jr. as the the Dallas' second best player is not like putting the most confidence in me, but. This has been such a weird series that I literally wouldn't be shocked if uh, with any result. Yeah, and, and just being the whole playoffs is kind of just weird with all the injuries and this whole season has been weird. So do you have kind of a sense of who you think will be playing in the finals? I know it's kind of hard to tell right now because we have so many injuries to stars and we have certain players out of this game, certain players out of this series. Do you have an overall feel who you think is going to uh, possibly make the finals? I would bet on Brooklyn and Phoenix. Yeah. And I I bet on Brooklyn to win at the beginning of the year and then I bet on them again about a month ago. Um so my wallet hopes that uh <laughs> they win. But yeah. I would I would not be shocked if it was uh Brooklyn Phoenix and I wouldn't be shocked. I think I think Phoenix could go could go at them. Uh I wouldn't be shocked if if we got, you know, a weird kind of like Dallas Mavericks s champion from 2011, you know, like, like really the, the Phoenix Suns won the championship that year. When you look <laughs> back on it, uh, I wouldn't be shocked, but I also, the nets. Um, and again, it's kind of all contingent on, on Harden being healthy. They just got so much firepower on that roster that yeah. it's, it's hard to, it's hard to bet against them. Yeah. I mean, you know, us down in Houston, we have a, kind of a love hate thing with Harden now and it's like <laughs> even with that you, you I mean watching them play like you said if Harden is able to come back and play I just don't see any teams that I know people were saying they don't play any defense but when you have that much firepower I mean the defense kind of takes care of itself and yeah. you know I, I kind of agree that either way I, I even have I think even if Harden doesn't necessarily come back right away and is able to come back later on I think the Nets still have enough you know to push through the Eastern Conference especially with MB being um, possibly, you know, hurt not in less than 100% throughout the playoffs. Uh, before yeah. we wrap up the show here, Corey, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you at? Uh, you can find me at The Hardwood Mag on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at The Hardwood Herald. Uh, it's where you find the, uh, all the scouting breakdowns on the NBA draft prospects. Um, you could find my NBA draft podcast, uh, the draft Dak NBA podcast, anywhere where uh, podcasts are available. And uh, you can get issue two of uh, the hardwood mag. Um, the link is uh, on my Twitter and it's a uh, gumroad.com slash the hardwood mag. And again, I appreciate you coming on Corey. It's been great. And I definitely want to have you back on after the Rockets find out um, whether they're going to be in a state of misery or are they going to be very happy? I definitely want to have you back on um, before the actual draft happens. So again, thank you definitely for coming on today. Hey, I appreciate you having me. I would love to come back and, uh, and talk about that when, uh, when the time comes, uh, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Definitely. Thank you. appreciate it. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow Apollo H-O-U. That's Apollo capital H-O-U for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad podcast covering your Houston Rockets.